Correct a fool, and he will hate you. Correct a wise man, and he will appreciate you. This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Chamberlain. If it's your first time joining me, welcome. Thanks for giving me a shot. You can subscribe to the podcast on all of the major social networks, including Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. You can also subscribe on all the major podcast networks, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. Get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. Sign up right now for this limited time offer at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org. All right, so let's get started. Correct a fool and he will hate you. Correct a wise man and he will appreciate you. How many internet debates have you been in today, this week, this month, this year, last four years? <laughs> we are not without our arguments. And, of course, with the separation of social media in terms of how it separates us from other people, it's easier to argue with people than it ever has been. You know, when you're not looking at them square in the face, right? And I catch myself getting into these arguments quite often. And I try to be as um, non-personal as I can because I, I feel like the only way to make yourself not look worse is to hopefully reduce the level of personal attacks, if not eliminate them altogether. But um, these debates we get into, most of them are not constructive. Um, some of them are, but they're not I do know that there was always this element of like, why bother? You're not going to change anyone's mind. And I think that I think that there's still value in in having debates. You know, even if you don't persuade the other person to your side, I think uh, I think that there is an immense value with refining your own thoughts. You know, when you when you're forced in a position of trying to communicate to people, um, so that they will see your point of view. And then you try to kind of put yourself in their head so you can see their point of view. And then you try to kind of bridge that gap. You know, like sometimes there's a massive chasm between your point of view and somebody else's. You know, when you really try to wrestle through these problems and then try to communicate them effectively, that does create a nice uh, distilling I don't know if that's the proper word for it. it. It helps you to distill your own position on things. And now there's there's one guarantee. You are going to have to live with yourself, right? So it's good to understand why it is you believe what you believe to the best of your ability. And being able to articulate it and speak it in an effective, in an effective way is useful. And so this correct a fool and he will hate you is absolutely true. So if you get into a debate with somebody who, and and well, I'll do my best to define what I would say is a quote unquote fool. And I don't mean fool in the sense of, of, uh, of somebody who's like, it's, I don't mean it in the sense of a personal insult. And I don't think this quote means it in the sense of a personal insult either. I think, I think the definition of a fool is somebody who is not, actually being honest 
So a, a foolish person would be somebody who loves the ignorance or is still in love with the ignorance. So I don't, and again, the word ignorance, I don't mean it in a personal way. I mean, they like, they love the lie still. So when, when people love their lies and, and we all are guilty of this, like we all have this, this, this threshold of which, of how much truth we can absorb, I believe, this is my personal opinion of how much truth we can absorb at once. Um, if we're still in love with the lie, it's it's very difficult for people to kind of penetrate that, you know, that love we have. You know, if, if I still want to believe a lie, then I will defend that position rationally or irrationally to the day I die. Like if I still love the lie. And so when, when people come to you and, and somebody says, hey, you know what? You shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z, or you really should reconsider this bad habit. Let's say it's smoking, right? Let's just use an obvious one. I want to—I don't want to pick on you smokers out there, but let's just say this is a, and I don't mean this personally. If you smoke, that's fine, whatever. Um, but let's say we we pick this, and then somebody who walks up to me, and, and let's say I'm a smoker, and they say, you know, you shouldn't smoke. It's bad for you. Like everybody knows it's bad for you. You know what I mean? But I just love it too much. So this idea that that just telling somebody they shouldn't be doing a certain behavior and expecting them to be happy about that when they still love the behavior is like expecting them to still be happy about what you're telling them is just it's it's ridiculous. And so if I still love to smoke or still love to drink or still love to believe whatever lie I might be telling myself at the moment and and I'm not saying that smoking and drinking in particular are bad things, but they are bad for certain people, obviously. When somebody actually confronts me on that, and I don't want to believe the lie, then I'm going to get defensive. And so that defensiveness is a product of me being foolish in that area. I hope I'm communicating this well because I really feel like I may have screwed that up. I may have left a bunch of people with the impression that I think they're fools because they drink and smoke. Because that's not what I was going for. Dang. See, that's not necessarily the best example. So let's say any lie. Because I, there's a million lies we tell ourselves. And there's a million lies we accept. If you are of a foolish disposition, in other words, you do not have the humility necessary to learn something new or be willing to admit you're wrong, then you're a fool, right? And I, I believe there's corners of our lives. We all have this. And if people try to correct this part of me that I'm still in love with, this lying part of me I'm still in love with, I will get defensive and I will be foolish. The secondary part, which is correct a wise man and he will appreciate you, is the opposite side of that coin. Now, this is a, I, I think it's a personality type. I think it, and it's also a level of humility that we've either accepted or, or not accepted in that wise people, and, and I'm not by all stretch of the imagination fully including myself in this area because there's times in which I'm foolish and times in which I'm wise. But if somebody's in a, a position of wisdom, I think the cornerstone of that wisdom is Humility and humility is when you are fully aware of your own inadequacy. You know, the you are aware of the 
extent of your self-sabotage. You're aware of the extent of your ability to lie to yourself. You're aware of the extent of your own ignorance. And so that puts you in a teachable position. And people who are wise tend to position themselves as such. And so what happens is, is if you are in that position of humility and then somebody comes to you and, and says, gives you feedback, then you're far more likely to appreciate what it is they have to offer or say. And this is another one of those paradoxes of everyday life, right? We don't, we think that if we are intelligent, brilliant, and smart, and perfect, that we are going to be effective human beings. But the reality of the situation is the, the, the smarter we think we are, the more effective we think we are, the more brilliant we think we are, the more perfect we think we are, the less effective human, human beings we become. Because what happens is, is we box ourselves into, into a very small sphere. Because as individuals who are flawed, we can really only do well in very, very small areas. And so we need to have a, le a hopefully a high level of humility to, to be aware of our own inadequacy. Because if we don't have that, then we have, we have sabotaged ourselves to the point where we cannot grow anymore. Like there's, if, if we don't admit that there's still so much we need to learn and we don't realize we don't realize the extent of our own ignorance, then our hearts will not be in the proper position to absorb criticism, feedback, and any new information. We will stubbornly block it out. And so the question of today's episode is, are you a fool or are you a wise man? Now, of course, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say we're a little bit of both at different times, but before we go into that, this show is brought to you by Amazon Audible. If you're like me and you love reading, but you just don't have the time, then Audible audiobooks may be the perfect solution for you. With Audible, listening is the new reading. You can pop in your earbuds and discover that next exciting adventure or expand your knowledge from any PC, Mac, Android, Alexa, or Apple device. And check this out, because you listen to this show... For a limited time, you can get instant access to thousands of audiobooks from Audible's Premium Plus catalog completely free. Just visit audible.wisdomworthknowing.org right now and take advantage of a free 30-day trial. That's right, for 30 days, my listeners can get full access to Audible's Premium Plus catalog as well as an additional free title of their choosing. If you discover audiobooks aren't for you, no problem. You can cancel instantly online. That's it. It's that simple. Two years ago... Audiobooks began to change my life, and they may change yours too. So pause this podcast and head over to Audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org and sign up right now for this offer from my listeners. Seriously, Audible is amazing, life-changing, and the library of books they have on there is unbelievable. Definitely give them a shot. And make sure you use my link. That helps the show. So I think at different in different areas of our life, not just not necessarily I think in different seasons of our life, we can be foolish and wise. The extent of our our wisdom um depends on the extent of our humility. I think the more we are willing to learn in any particular area, the wiser we become. 
Because if we are always in a position of accepting new information and trying to understand and reconcile that information into our experience and into our worldview, it expands our understanding of what we believe in. And so if we are in a constant state of humility and a constant state of willing to admit we're wrong, then we are wise. And that's kind of like the paradox of reality. And, and most of these life lessons and moral lessons tend to be paradoxes. A paradox, by the way, is when you expect something to be one way and it's the truth is actually the complete opposite. So like, for example, in order to become wise, you must become a fool. Right? <laughs> and even though the, the fool is... When I say fool, I don't mean the fool in the sense of refusing ignorance. The fool means the extent of becoming humble. In order to become wise, you must become humble. Because an actual literal fool is somebody who rejects any kind of new information and knowledge. I believe that to be true. I think that as we, be, we accumulate more knowledge and we become smarter, we have a tendency to become dumber. And what I mean by that is as we become more intelligent and we learn more things, we start to think we have it figured all, all figured out. And then because we start to think we have it all figured out, we become really dumb. I think that's the natural progression of most of most of the things that we learn. And so if we don't have something that holds us in check and holds our pride and our ego in that sense in check, and we start to think, oh, yeah, I've got this all figured out then that's when we start to become foolish. You know, if we, if we need some level, obviously we need an immense level of humility. And I think this may be one of the reasons science struggles or modern day cultural science really struggles is because science, it used to be this constant state of humility. Like at the, at the root of science was that we are still discovering and and, and the reason we called things theories is because we would test new data and we wouldn't really know what the outcome was going to be of the data. And, and we would expect that data to line up with an esta a well-established theory, but we wouldn't demand it, you know? So there was this constant humility with the discovery. And as we discovered new information, we'd say, okay, well, this lines up with the data. And so, great. Then that establishes that there's wisdom in that theory. And so we were open to reality contradicting our theories, you know, and, and I feel like we've at least the politicized side of science has really kind of lost this, 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 this wisdom, you know, they, they want so badly for the data to align with how they want it to go. That that humility that the data may prove us wrong is not there anymore. It's like, no, 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 we'll just keep we'll keep searching for the data until it lines up with what we want <laughs> rather than search for the data and discover what reality is. You know, we've we've and I don't want to say everybody has, but I do think that there's a segment of discovery that's not really looking for discovery, you know, like they're they're looking for a giant pool of evidence to back what they already want to believe. And that's not science. You know, like when we're seeking out answers, 
that we've already defined are the answers. So we're just looking for more data to prove answers we've already decided are the answer. That's not wisdom. That's confirmation bias, right? That's ideology, you know, and, and we all do it. So I'm not accusing specifically science of doing this. We all do it because we all have this vulnerability of not being wise, of not admitting that we could be wrong. And because we all have this vulnerability, as we become more prideful and we start to think we're brilliant and we start to think we're super intelligent and the smarter we become, and this is true in my life, the, the, the less I'm willing to accept contradictory information. So I become a fool. So I do think that the um, the level of our, our wisdom is directly proportional to our humility. And I think this quote really nails it. You know, you correct a fool and he'll hate you. So this is a good self-test, you know, and, and this show is really about yourself. It's not about everybody else. It's about developing the best version of yourself that you can. If somebody corrects you in anything, any area of your life, is your initial gut response to be visceral? If so, welcome to human life. That's the normal, natural response, is to get angry and defensive when people attempt to correct you. The question is, what comes next? Do you stubbornly refuse to even acknowledge their correction or their information? Or do you absorb it and actually meditate on it and go, no, this is why I don't agree. Like, there's... There's a chance I could be wrong, but this, the point he's making, there's a reason why it's wrong and I need to discover what that is. So are you, are you viscerally angry and stay viscerally angry and angry and just double down and just disregard whatever they're saying? Or do you actually listen? That's a hard one, by the way, actually listening to people, or do you actually listen and then think about and meditate on what it is they're saying. And then disagree, which, by the way, you can still disagree. But but are grateful for their disagreement. Because there's one thing that happens when you actually listen to people and their criticisms is if they're wrong. And you have to think about and meditate on why they're wrong and then you figure out why they're wrong. Or maybe they're right, but if you figure it out, then what are you? What would you? What could you possibly be angry at him for? You know what I mean. So, at the end of that conversation, you will become more aware of why it is you believe what you believe. Your thoughts will be more refined and distilled and articulated. You will have it. You will come to a better understanding of why it is you believe what you believe. And then it should leave you with nothing but an immense gratitude for that person's particular com confrontation. And so that's where this correct a wise man will appreciate you. And the more you practice this humility thing and this willingness to admit that you don't have any clue or, or just at least positioning yourself as being a ignorant on these subjects. And the more you open yourself to these criticisms, you realize that it strengthens you in the long run. Um, the, what the biblical verses remind me of is as uh, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. 
And obviously with sharpening iron, there's friction, right? There's heat and friction and it hurts. You can cut yourself when you're sharpening steel. You can burn yourself. So there's, there is a friction there with that confrontation, confrontation between two people. But the more friction there is, the sharper that weapon becomes. And so that's where I think this, this if you position yourself as open to that friction, it will allow you to refine and sharpen yourself and your understanding of yourself and your understanding of issues and your understanding of the world. But in order to, to open yourself up to that, you have to always be in a position of knowing you fully could be wrong. And this is a scary proposition for a lot of people. It's like you don't want to be in a constant state of humility. You know, you, you want to 100% think you know what's going on for sure. Because it's, it's an uncomfortable process. You know, when people question your worldview, question your decisions. And some of these things can be really hard to wrestle with. You know, when, especially if people cut at the root of what you believe and they, they question the root of what you believe. It can leave you in a, in a temporary chaos. You know, when somebody questions your religious worldview or questions your spiritual worldview or questions your political worldview. You know, like it, it can be interpreted as a threat. And in some ways it is a threat. You know, like you may have a foundation there that you rely on. And and people destabilizing that foundation, that's an uncomfortable process. But if you allow that foundation to be kind of rocked and destabilized, and then you go back in and you kind of rebuild it, it'll become stronger, right? And that's that's generally the idea. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's generally the idea. It, it becomes a firmer foundation. And that's why I believe that wise people, when you when you give them feedback on something, assuming you're not being a jerk about it, they have a tendency to to listen and accept it and and, and maybe even politely nod and or say or maybe initially say yeah I don't agree with that but but they will go back and eventually they will reevaluate and appreciate what it is you're saying because what it is you're saying does at least challenge them to the point where they will become better people from it Foolish people hate hate all types of correction and information and knowledge, and they just want to go about their business and do what they want to do, and they don't want anybody to rock their boat. If it's self-destructive, they want to just keep doing it. They want, don't want to be told it's not, it's not the right thing to do. They don't want to be warned against it. Their hearts are in a position where they've stubbornly refused to believe any outside information. And before you, you start to think in your head of the certain type of people who fit into this category, hate to break it to you, but you're one of those people as well. Wow. I don't know how this show will ever be popular. <laughs> we all have corners of our heart and our personality that we despise correction on. And all we can really try to do is, is open ourselves up to that vulnerability. So that we can become wiser in those areas.
But we do have corners of our heart that we stubbornly hold on to, that we want to believe. And they're lies. There's lies we want to believe. And in my case, like my relationship with, with God and Christ, I mean, I don't know what I would do without my that conscience, that spirit kind of like, like seeking out and crushing parts of me and breaking up that foundation. Because if it, if I were if it was if if I didn't have that extra help in digging up these deep, deep lies I have and just breaking them apart so that they can be rebuilt with truth, I I, I don't know if I would ever find out personally. That's that's just my experience with it. Like there's I am there are certain lies that I tell myself that are that are pathological and it literally would take an act of god or has taken an act of god to bring me into the awareness of that path pathology and that's a terrifying thought (laughs) for me it's it's terrifying right it's like there are lies that we so stubbornly hold on to that it would take an act of god to go in and blow it apart and and the fact that we are capable of that as human beings is a terrifying prospect to me. And it's also humbling. You know, it's humbling to realize that sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. Actually, most of the time, we're our own worst enemy. The level of self-sabotage is... Man, it's it's real. You know, the 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 way we don't set ourselves up for success and instead set us up, ourselves up as failures or for failure. Um it's it's hard to come to terms with. I mean, um Peterson, Jordan Peterson is one of the authors I like to read. Um and, he, and there's a lot of authors I like to read. And he does have a chapter that's uh I think it's why don't you just take your dang pills? It's the um no, the the rule it's in his book Twelve Rules for Life, and the rule is treat yourself like somebody you'd care about. And then there's a section in that book where he talks about, you know, why don't you just take your dang pills? And he talks about the statistics that people who are actually terminally ill are dying of something, or they're on a heart transplant list or an organ transplant list, and they've been waiting years, and all they have to do after the transplant is to take this medicine regularly. And they statistically it's terrifying to realize that so few of them will do it. And the sad part is, is when I read that story, I'm like, yes, that's that's me. I can know full well what's best for me. And refuse to do it. Refuse it. Just absolutely refuse to do it. And he said it was so weird that the same people are statistically far more likely to make sure their animals take prescriptions properly than themselves and the only explanation is we're really hard on ourselves (laughs) you know what i mean like we 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 know ourselves so well and so intimately in the darker corner of ourselves that we we let it crush our self-esteem the fact that we're not perfect and then we don't treat ourselves well and that's the point of that particular rule is that we need to try to take care of ourselves that's 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 a noble goal to aim for. 
but this inner conflict I was telling you of self-sabotage, I think that's there, there are corners of our life that are very, very difficult to come to terms with the reality that we are stubborn and fools about. And so all we can really try to do is hope and pray that we can break that up so that we can become eventually become wise, you know, break it down, rebuild it, break it down, rebuild it, break it down, rebuild it. Life is a series of deaths and resurrections, I believe. And so we have to suffer the death of of our lack of wisdom, the death of being wrong, the death of our pride, the death of our egos, so that we can be rebuilt. And the better we are at not being good at something, the better we accept how foolish we are, And the sooner we take that position of humility, the sooner we can start to rebuild and become stronger people. And I hope I communicated that effectively. And if you're a smoker or drinker, I'm not judging you, I promise. I mean, um, drinking in particular is one of the ones that's always been kind of a challenge for me. But, um, But temperance is an important thing to remember, too, when it comes to habits. So not everything is bad 100% through and through. So... That's a whole different topic. Anyways, don't think that I'm judging you. Trust me. Before I close out, this has been the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. Thank you for stopping by. Do not forget to like, share, and subscribe on Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. Um, That helps the show grow, feeds the algorithms, and uh, ups the uh, recommendation setting. You can also like, share, and subscribe on all of the major social uh, podcast networks. Wow, I'm really butchering this. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Leaving reviews helps the show grow as well. The show is brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. Get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks, completely free for 30 days. Before you go on with your day, make sure you swing over to audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E.wisdomworthknowing.org to take advantage of this free limited time offer. And until next time, correct a fool and he will hate you. Correct a wise man and he will appreciate you. This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, let's work on being the best version of ourselves we can. Because as always, that's all we can do. Have a good day.